What's good, y'all? It's Rondell, a.k.a. King Ronda Don. I'm here in Memphis for No Madness Tribe's Audacity Fest. Man, I've been here for, like, under 48 hours. I've seen so many people for the first time. So, shout out to EV putting this together. It's super dope seeing so many people. One of those people, one of the Instagram homies that I'm getting to connect with, super cool dude, my guy Gab, who is traveling father, traveling entrepreneur, been to over 100 countries, 32 out of 54 in Africa, and I've heard some crazy stories from this guy <laughs> in the past couple of minutes that I'm like, yo, we have got to get on the podcast. Guy, welcome to the show, man. Well, thank you for having me here. That was quite an introduction, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. So I this like guy, that. this guy's a little bit of a wild child. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> a little bit of a travel travel rebel, I would say. But um, yo, 100 countries, that's, that's impressive, man. Yeah, he... I mean, it went kind of fast the past 11, 12 years. Yeah, I mean, what are, what made you, were you always on a mission to, like, see more countries, or did that happen naturally? Mm, it didn't start like that. Uh, it started really young because, you know, I'm from Congo, and I had to travel to accept war and um, avoid war. And, uh, yeah, started traveling like that, so I traveled for safety at first. And then, yeah, how old were you when you left? I was really young. I mean, we got back. I was like four. Wow. Okay. And where did you guys uh, seek refuge? Paris, France. Paris. Oh, y'all know how I feel about Paris, y'all. <laughs> guys over here telling me that I need a, um, I need a redo. He's gonna Hell take me yeah. around Paris. I need to see. I need to show you around <laughs> my Paris, which is different. Yeah, we'll see. Y'all, y'all know how I feel. Maybe he'll be. He'll. He may be the only one to get me to go back. Yeah. To see his perspective. Um. Definitely. But yeah, escaping war. What do you even? You were forced, or do you even remember like what that time was like, or do you just? What I'll say is, I remember the tension, like you know the 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 feeling of your parents being scared. That's and you know you're like, all right, we need transportation because we gotta go. This, yeah. You know this feeling. You don't remember images, but you remember, all right, something is wrong. Yeah. That's why. That's why. That's the only thing I remember really. And to break it down for people who don't know, was it a civil war or was it a war with another country? So, unfortunately, Congo had multiple uh, different war within the same time. Mm. Civil war, but also a war against Rwanda later on. So, it was, it's been, it's been bad for my uh, country for, for a long time, a yeah. long period of time. Yeah, but you also, you know, encourage people to see the beautiful side of Congo. That's exactly what I'm doing. I love doing this. Actually... There's war zones every, in every war country, but there's just that, war zones. Like the rest of the country sometimes is, most of the time, beautiful. Mm -hmm. People are peaceful because they know what it is to have nothing. Yeah. And they're still going to try to give you the little bit they have. And right. it's the beauty of it. What are some of, what are some, like, describe an experience in Congo. So you guys know or should know that I did um, that Ancestry DNA test and I'm on a journey to visit all the countries in my uh, lineage, basically, Congo being one of those countries. And when you ask people about Congo, you'll get some mixed reviews and some fear talking from people. So tell me about the other side. Outside of that, what is, like, the dope experience of Congo? Well, when you go to Congo, first of all, uh, they know how to welcome people. Oh, yeah? Like, yeah, completely. It's when you want to have fun, smile, and, you know, be in a space where everybody just want you to be happy, 
you want to go to Kinshasa. A lot of people go to Kinshasa because they're like, yeah, we about to go have fun. It's a little African Ibiza kind of, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. really? Okay. Because people are. It's the turn up there then. Yes, <laughs> completely. And you know, when you know around and you know people, you know the club and stuff yeah. like that. It's a great experience. Okay, okay. Uh, outside of Congo, because you left for war, you've been to some other countries that are are in the midst of war and had amazing, amazing experiences there. I actually did Iraq, um, Afghanistan, uh, Yemen, Syria, Sudan, and um, they all have political instabilities so bad and war. But when I went to Yemen, that was my last war country, mm. I was amazed by the beauty of Yemen. A beauty I didn't even thought about because you don't see in any media, you know? Yeah. When I was there, I was just away beach that was just so beautiful you feel like you're in the caribbean beach and nobody's waking up yeah, no yeah, you're yeah. by yourself and guys i wish i wish in this moment you could see the video but you posted the oh video, yeah right? i did post it I did where can people it. where can people watch the video because guys i mean he was explaining how beautiful yemen was but we just got back from lunch and i was jaw dropped at the i've never seen a landscape like this in my life and i've been a lot of places but it was beautiful i mean like I, I, like I don't, even, I don't even have the words to describe how beautiful this place was. I've never seen anything like it. It is truly beautiful, and they can see the video on, on my IG, on my IGTV. And where what's drop the name of your? So it's Gabok G A B B O K seventeen, and you go to my page and you'll see uh, my Yemen video, and it's probably one of the best video I did because I did it with the heart, like you know, I did it for the people of Yemen, and um, and yeah, I definitely want people to see what I've seen. Man. That, that, I don't know. More people need to see that because I think a lot of times with countries that aren't popular tourist mm-hmm. places, I guess the fear of the unknown, like when you have the unknown and then you hear the one, the one thing you hear about the country is war, yeah. you're automatically like, well, there's absolutely no reason to be there, right? Exactly. Here's the thing. Like, we live in a period of time where over-tourism is hitting us so bad. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of us doing the same thing. And I'm not saying it's bad, but... If you're on, like, a different experience, like, would you feel like it's an unknown place to go to Paris and see the Eiffel Tower? Right. Not really. Like, you've seen it. People talk about it. You've seen pictures. But what if I tell you, like, yeah, there's a peaceful uh, place in Malawi, and if you go there, you'll be amazed. You know, some people don't even know where Malawi is yeah. or Micronesia. You yeah. know, it's just those places. Well, that last one, I don't know where it's. <laughs> Micronesia is in the, in the middle of Pacific right before Hawaii. Okay. That one is new to me. I'll have to look that one up. So I assume you've been there? Yeah. Of course, because you've been to 100 countries. So (laughs) chances, the odds are in your favor that you have been there. There's a lot of people that, you know, (laughs) when you meet someone and they'll say, like, yeah, I'm from this country, there's a lot of chance that I actually been over there. (laughs) Man, so y'all got to check out that Yemen video. I mean, it was like waves of white sand off of, like, um, a hill going into the ocean, which is like... The ocean is like what? What what body of water is that? Uh, it's Indian Ocean. Indian Ocean. Yeah. So it's sharing water with like the east coast of Kenya, Zanzibar, exactly. Seychelles, exactly. All that man. The wave yeah. of the sand is because it's been in touch for so many years. Wow. <laughs> and this guy, this guy has drones that he's flying. These shots are crazy. Speaking of drones, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of drones, tell mm-hmm. us about your drone experiences. Because, you know, sometimes you got to get the shot. 
You got sometimes get getting a shot it takes a little risk, right? Yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> here's, anytime mean, somebody starts with "here's the thing," <laughs> we know it's not going to end well, right? I I do not encourage people to do what I do. Okay. First of all, okay. Like you know, I'm a professional in my field. I know the risk, and I know I do. You know, I do my work. Mm-hmm. But it's true for the content I've done. I've drone in some places I was not supposed to, and I got shot at. People shot the drone down. <laughs> I ran for my life. Like pulled out a rifle. <laughs> yep, pulled out a rifle, AK, AK-47, and, you know, I know the sound. So my drone <laughs> going down, I'm like, oh, shit. And they were trying to see who was droning, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I was like, man, how am I going to get out of it? Yeah, but I made it out, so it's cool. Yeah, so over lunch, we were having a conversation. We were just talking casually, casual stuff. And his phrase of like, yeah, 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 but I made it. <laughs> it came up about four times, which lets you know that this guy is clearly a daredevil. If you talk about not adventure in the typical sense of, uh, you know, white rudder rafting, I'm sure you've done that, but yeah. not that guy. He's the guy who's like, oh, this seems like something that, you know, might or might not get me arrested. Let's just do it and see what happens. That's pretty much it. Like, you know, I'm like, I should be fine, but if I'm not, I probably don't get arrested. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I got banned for Lebanon for five years. Like, they, they don't So you want can't me go back. to Lebanon for five years? No, they don't want me And back. is that because of the drone? Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, they... Uh, the fact that he shot the drone and stuff, they thought I was a spy. And, and you know, he went down to them calling uh, the embassy. And they're like, yeah, you're not, you're not coming back here. I'm, like, I'm out. <laughs> but I made it. <laughs> so you've been arrested multiple times overseas. Uh, about four countries. Four different countries. And this is just not Like, is this normal for you at this point? You're just like, I mean, yeah, at this point, I'm like... I'm going in, call the embassy. Yeah, well... <laughs> At this point, it's like, yo, you know, just call the embassy and just pull me out. He be going in, he be going in, like, yeah, 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 I'll be out tomorrow, so everything's fine. Yeah, I, w- I did not did that in North Korea though. Like, I was really respectful of everything there. Cause, oh, you went to North Korea? Yeah. I didn't play that game though. Yeah, yeah, like, you can't play different. around. Yeah, no. you can't play those games. <laughs> no, you, you can't play don't those play games. Yeah. What are some of the countries that you've lived in? Um, Outside of Paris and Congo, I mean, outside of France and Congo, you told us those. Um, Singapore, uh, Dubai, Turkey, and um, the States, where I got you know, my degree, and Italy. Italy, for me, being the worst country. And Italy is my favorite country in Europe. See, here's the thing, though. I lived there. How long in, were you there for? About three years. Okay. So, where? Italian, which part? Rome. Okay. So, you know, speak Italian. and um, You speak Italian, too? Yeah. It's been How five. many languages do you? Five languages. Guys. <laughs> what are the five languages that you speak? So, French, Lingala, Swahili, Arabic, and um, Italian. Okay. And, uh, yeah, Italian. I speak English, and, you know. During <laughs> giving. I speak island chat. You know what I mean? Little patois, things oh, like okay, that. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, I mean, no, that's English, still. But... <laughs> Yeah, man. See, I don't have anything against Italians because I've met a lot. Of, I mean, I've worked with great people in Italy, like, you know, educated great people. But it's the thing, like, you know, me being African, we, they don't have the same approach as you being American, and we, even if we're both black. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't go I definitely have seen that. Like, when we were there, 
people will go out the way to identify me as American black. Like, they'll be like, oh, you're German, you're American. And then once they find that out, they were fine. Exactly. But observing how they treated Africans there wasn't cool. And I would say probably out of all the European countries that I've been to, they, they well, at least visibly to me, I've seen Italians treat Africans the worst. So... I definitely agree, and it's it's a crazy thought because we're both black, like you said. Yeah. You know, if you if we don't open our mouths and put on the same clothes, people wouldn't know the difference. No. Nope. Here's the thing: like Italians' government uh, is just having migration. Like they they haven't have people coming f- f- to their country and get some work, and you know, like yeah. taking. So Italian feels like they're taking their work. Is. I, isn't that the same issue everywhere, though? Like, every country kind of feels like immigrants. Like, the same thing in America. Yeah, but Europe is the... In Europe, is quite different because Italy is the last country to experience it. Okay. People was coming through Portugal, Spain, yeah. France, directly from France, you yeah. know? Italy is the last one. Mm-hmm. And the closest one, too. Yeah. So, all this migration wave for them is kind of new. It's like the new generation. Yeah. And now you have mixed babies, which is like people were like, oh, that's crazy. You yeah. know, like it feels they will, they will, ne- they don't, ha- they didn't have no, they didn't colonize no country in, uh, in black Africa. So for them, this is new and they don't really, act, they don't really like it like that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I guess that, that I have to, I have to put that in perspective because. Even though I enjoy, so the reasons why I enjoy Italy, the food, the people were super nice to me, um, the scenery, all of it was amazing. But I really, that is something to consider. Like, of if course. I was, you know, my counterpart in Africa, then I wouldn't be okay to be here, because that's not cool. Exactly. You know? Hmm. It's a, it's a fact that, you know, um, you've been there on vacation, I worked there, I lived there, it's, you know, talk the language, act like I didn't understand, so sometimes I was I was listening to some fucked up shit, to be yeah, honest, yeah, sorry yeah. if I don't No, know. no, no, you could. Alright, so yeah, I was listening to some crazy stuff people saying about me not knowing that you I, could understand what they were saying. Yeah. And they were going all out, like, you know, taking taxi. I got one time, I remember, I snapped on this uh, cab because um, he was on the phone with his wife, bringing me to the airport, and he was like, yeah, uh, I'm bringing a monkey out of the country. Talk about me. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy because I'm not even that type of guy, but there's something, there's just stuff you can't let go. Yeah. You know, so snap. I, I, no, I didn't even snap. Wow. Left. And he was like, yeah, it's that's press. I'm like, oh, I'm not paying, bro. I'm like, what do you mean you're not paying? I'm calling the cop. I'm like, oh, I'm not paying. And, you know, it went all out. You are a traveling father. You travel with your daughter quite often, right? Yeah, very often. How many countries has she been to now? Over 30. Over 30 countries? Yeah. At what age? Seven years old. So her passport is stamped up at seven she years old. She actually got, yeah. She, she needed a she new changed, one, right? Yeah, at this she, point. She, yeah, she needed a new one. Wow. So does she, how old is she? She's seven. Is she taking in the experiences? Because, you know, sometimes when I travel and I see parents with their child, mm. I'm like, this child ain't even appreciating this trip. Child is like, I'm bored. Is there Wi-Fi? <laughs> so, do you feel like she's taking in the, these experiences that young? This actually a really good question because I'm pulling out a course on how to travel as a single father with your kid, and um, because the the travel experience start before traveling, mm-hmm. 
And uh, actually, my book is almost done because I'm reading. I'm actually I wrote a book about it about me and the travel adventure that I had with my daughter, which all just as crazy as what I did by myself. Really, Ex- except for the jail part. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them was just like ridiculously crazy. Okay, but yeah, um, get my daughter involved even in budget thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, show the show her what we can do, how far it is, but explaining yeah. to her like this is half of dad's house to mom's house and so she like okay you know like yeah, yeah, those yeah. type of comparisons so she can put herself into it when we travel she really experiences it in a way where she's like okay we're doing something different mm. for me it's more than just parenting elsewhere it's also sharing the fact that okay this is an experience that yeah. we're living together so at first she was really young so I was trying to explain to her she was really not getting into it but we actually had a great um, subject to talk about traveling was Dora, Dora the Explorer. Oh, right, right, right. Because of Dora, it was easier for us to travel because yeah. at one point she even got into a competition like, yo, why did she do this country that and we didn't do it? I'm like, <laughs> that's a character. This is not, this is not even real. But now, now that she's seven, she, you know, there's part of the world she wants to go to because she said, I want to. I want to experience that, you mm-hmm. know, like that. We think we can do that. So she really became a real travel traveler companion, you know. Nice. You should actually, um, you know, the traveling child Monet. I know her. Yeah. 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 She was on the podcast, the last episode of the podcast. Oh, you okay. guys definitely have to connect and figure out what you can do in the in the yeah, travel definitely. parenting space. So. 32 out of 54 countries in Africa. You say Africa's your playground. Oh, man. Africa's my playground. I love that place. So, tell me, what are some of your favorite... Obviously, you'll be biased to Congo. Outside of nope. that... Nope. No, you're not biased. Nope. Okay. What I are some of your favorites? I will um, Ethiopia is. Okay. Ethiopia is one of the greatest countries I've been to because... Uh, you know they have different calendar, different time. Yeah, and you know because their calendar ends in September, our September, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. They're just yeah. like, yeah, this is what we on. We're doing our own thing. Exactly because <laughs> they've never been colonized. So yeah. there's, there's still stuff that remains from back in the day. They still have uh, books and and stuff about their ancestors that we don't have as Congolese no more because everything was burned down by the Belgian guys. Yeah, and you know I just love that place. Yeah. I really like that place. I love. I also love. Um, Zanzibar, mm-hmm. Zanzibar was quite interesting. Tanzania itself is is a good country, but Zanzibar was, you know, I'm like wow, that's even if it has over tourism, I still found peace. What did you find interesting about it? Because as a Muslim, Zanzibar is completely Muslim in a Christian country. It's a Muslim island. Oh, in, okay. In a, in a, in a, okay. So I didn't. I thought all of Tanzania was no. Oh no, no, no. It's, uh, it's different. So it's a Muslim island, a part of a Christian yeah. country. That is very interesting. It is, it is, and you know they carry themselves pretty well. Yeah. Be respectful, and um, even though there's a lot of tourism, you can sense that. You know, because I don't know if you've been to Zanzibar already. Yeah. You see, the south part is touristic. Yeah, well. yeah. When you go in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's hood. Yeah. It's it's gangster hood. Like, I was like, yo, <laughs> that's crazy. You have people, like, you know, looks like brothers that don't play. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. okay. And then when you go all the way back up, it's cool again. Mm-hmm. But in the middle, even though they're in the middle, they just stay together. If you 
if you go there and you lose yourself, they'll help you out. They're not, you know, they're not mean. And you're like, yeah. okay, that's, you know, that's dope. I like yeah. that. I really do like that. Zanzibar, Ethiopia. Um, it's going to sound kind of awkward, but I like Rwanda because, you know, we have kind of conflicted situation between Rwanda and Congo yeah. because of the war that we had. But Rwanda did a lot of good work uh, for tourism, for his own people, and mm -hmm. I wish we had did the same for Congo. I really did. But it's a good country. Okay. Outside of Africa, what are some of your favorite countries? Uh, Central Asia. Central Asia is still the place when you can feel like Indiana Jones a little bit, even if you're black. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's so... Um, it's about to be, like I told you earlier, it's about to be the future yeah. of traveling, you know, because there's, um, they put a lot of money in tourism, and uh, it has so many stories. I mean, you know, Marco Polo went through all this, the, all this um, road, uh, slick road, and it just has so many stories. Yeah. You know, when you go there, a lot of stuff was still untouched from the time uh, the Silk Road belonged to uh, Han. Mm. You know, so you're like, that's crazy. It's yeah. still out there, you know, and people didn't touch it. People respected it, you know. There's a lot of history that I wanted to know until Mongolia, because I did the Silk Road till Mongolia. Incredible. Like, it's, I like, it's my second playground. Mm. I go back to it. And I have it. not touched that region at all. Like, what countries in, in Central Asia? Um, Uzbekistan is a great country. Um, Tajikistan as well. Tajikistan is mostly if you want to feel nature, you know, in so many ways because you got mountains, you got uh, land all over. You can. It's funny because I don't ride horses, mm. but there sometimes it's the only way to go from point A to point B. <laughs> <laughs> so it was funny when that dude was like, "Yo, I, you know, I lend you my horse, and I don't want that horse." It's like it's either that or maybe like. Two days walking, I'm like oh, two man. days walking. Yeah, this is like on some biblical story. Like, <laughs> some part. yeah, it'll be about forty eight hours yeah. walking, and you know. But they say that's so cool, though. Like, they, there's nothing else. They're like, you can do that or that. <laughs> I'm like, yo, give me that horse, man. I'll just what like, that. what language do they speak in these countries? Mostly, if you get away with Russian, you'll be alright. Because I know little Russian words. I was, you know, getting my way through, but. Most of the time, it's sign language, bro. You said sign language? Okay. <laughs> you like, you were uh, like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yo, I, need I to. want to eat. How do we, that's, and you know, it's. it's but that's the universal travel language, right? It's completely. You realize exactly. that you can, you, when you have to get around. Oh, you know how to get around? You don't know the language, yeah, you'll you, figure out how to communicate. When they're like, want. yo, how much money? So you do the money sign. Yeah. And you, they put like five, and you know. You yeah, yeah, yeah. When you want to travel and lose yourself, this place is still untouched. Like, you can go lose yourself and feel secure. Yeah. Because they, this is the place where you have the lowest crime in the whole world. Oh, really? Yeah. Except for Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan is also another story. But Kazakhstan is rich. Like, okay. it's super rich. Oil-wise and everything. You go to Astana, Astana doesn't even feel real. Astana feels like it's a city being created by a child because you have so many weird um, buildings, you know, that you like, they just created that for fun. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's just, uh, it's a great experience. Mm -hmm. Uzbekistan, I recommend Azerbaijan as well. Azerbaijan is like a small Dubai. It's funny. You go there and uh, it's 
really rich and, you know, they have a good time now. Yeah, I don't hear people talking about this region of the world at all, actually. I mean, you want to go check for yourself. I'm telling you it's good, but trust me, you want to go and experience it. I believe you. I believe you. I just don't know. You know, when I when I take travel advice from you now, <laughs> I, have, I have to wonder if there's any risk involved. I promise you, Azerbaijan, <laughs> Uzbekistan, no risk at all. Okay. Kazakhstan, you can Maybe. tell. It might be. Okay. Yeah, you know, like, I'm, <laughs> I, I went around, did some drone shots and stuff, didn't have any problem, but I heard some people had other problems. So, you know, but Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, if you want to try something, South start, start by Azerbaijan, dope country. Okay, and you know I know people there, so I help you out. Sure. Okay, okay. Um, another story that I want to dive into. So, if you guys don't know, there are pyramids in Sudan. <laughs> <laughs> pyramids in Sudan. Um, Gab, of course, took it, took the liberty of climbing one of these pyramids. Mm-hmm. Um, great video. Is it, did you post? You didn't post that. No, video. it is a lot of stuff I don't post. Yeah, he he doesn't post everything on social media. So definitely check his page out for the Yemen video. That is beautiful. I guess I got the inside scoop. I saw the video of him atop a pyramid in in Sudan. Beautiful. It's a beautiful. It's a gorgeous video. Gorgeous video. Tell us what happened once you got to the top of the pyramid, guys. So I got. It. <laughs> First of all, again, don't do what I do. I'm. You know, I'm me, and you got to be you. That's the whole thing about traveling. <laughs> um, so I went to Sudan, loved that country, uh, even though there's a lot of, lot of problems. And um, went to see the pyramid. There's two sides of pyramid. There's Pyramid of Mirror, which actually, for the story, there was a tons of pyramid in Mirror, that part of uh, Sudan. And a lot of them got destroyed by an Italian dude mm. who wanted to see gold, so brought explosive. And wow. fucked up the whole uh, whole site of pyramid. They were like about three hundred pyramid. These it's, damn Italians! <laughs> telling you, telling you, hey, bro. Like, you don't see the bottom line here. You don't see the common thread here. <laughs> but no, but yeah. So a lot of lot of uh, pyramids were destroyed uh, by uh, this guy, and some of the pyramid was further, and he didn't touch it. And they're still untouched and still tall, not as tall as the one in Egypt. But tall enough for But they're me, beautiful, though. They're beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful. The setup is amazing. Tall enough for me to be like, hey, you know what? What would be a crazy shot is me going on top <laughs> and having the drone fly behind me. So how do you even... Let's No, let's start from the beginning. How do you even climb a pyramid? So you're literally step-by-step step exactly. dragging yourself up. Yep. Yeah, I do pull up the lot, so... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. I'm like, this is not for the physically weak. <laughs> So I got up there, and um, obviously, actually, I travel a lot, but I'm not a lucky traveler. I always end up in some situation as you. <laughs> 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 um, military people, uh, yeah, military guys saw that I was up there with the drone and all. They went, they start, you know, yelling at me in Arabic, telling me to go down. But the drone shot was not done. Like, I needed the drone shot to be done. I was not about to come back up. Yeah, because you already did have... You did all that work together. Exactly. So I was like, uh-huh. no, I can't go down. And one of them was like... So you're telling the military people... To wait. Okay. <laughs> I was okay. like, wait. No, I just want to make sure I understood. Okay. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. telling them, wait. And uh, 
one of them was like, we don't wait. We either shoot or you go down. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, come down, you know. <laughs> I'll be right there. Yeah. So, uh-huh. and I start, you know, I start just going down. And once I got down there, obviously, shit was messed up. <laughs> Brought me to jail for like, you know, custody for like five hours. But I'm kind of, it sucks to say that I'm kind of used to it now. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, they don't get me out anywhere. <laughs> They're not going to kick me here. <laughs> so, I yeah. can't. I cannot. But Sudan, crazy, Sudan is actually a beautiful country. I believe it. Sudan is a beautiful country, beautiful people. I'm so sorry to suffer from um, all those politi- politics and stability. And it's split now, right? South Sudan, right? Oh, uh, man. So here's the thing. Sudan used to be bigger than Congo. Okay. Sudan in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, Sudan in the 90s. So it was Algeria, but Algeria is like 80% sand because mm-hmm. of Sahara. Mm-hmm. It was Algeria, Sudan, Congo. And uh, I think, I don't want to say anything stupid. It was in, in the 90s, in the early 90s, they split up. And it's so crazy because you know what? South Sudan and North Sudan don't even speak the same language. They don't even look the same. Mm. Like South Sudan people look Senegalese. Tall, black, yes, dark. Yes, I've know? seen that. Mm-hmm. And North Sudan, they look like Arabic from the South. Oh, wow. So it's crazy that you, if someone don't know, like he couldn't even put it that those, those countries was together yeah, as one. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but that's the truth. And I'm not here to shame or blame any country. I'm, you know, I, I'd rather bring positivity, but I have to say and tell what I saw. Sudan is really racist. Mm. Like, really racist. Some of them split up, say they, the country split up because they didn't want the black people to be, be associated of with them. Because yeah. here's the thing, Sudan and one is really, have really close ties with Egypt, mm-hmm. you know? And for them as Muslim and Arabic, they feel like they will country as one because they're Nubians. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were, there was the Nubian empire. You know, they still got, they have pharaohs, they have, uh, they have pyramids, they have all that, just as Egypt. So for them, they're part of Egypt. Having all those black people was not part of the game for them, mm-hmm. which is sad. But that's what I saw. And again, it's, um, I'm not shaming or blaming anything. I've just say what I saw, what I understood, because I love, I travel for the culture. And yeah, it's just, how it is. Yeah. But let me ask you, so even Egypt and I guess northern Sudan, mm. people say that, you know, centuries ago, that was black people inhabiting those lands. Of, of course, they were Nubians. Right. So, but now the current people in Egypt and northern Sudan mm. are more Middle Eastern Arabic. It also makes sense because, you know, the Mediterranean Sea had so many commercial exchange when Rome used to be Rome, like mm. huge. Yeah. They were doing a lot of exchange uh, by boat from, um, from Rome to Egypt. There's a lot of mixed couples that started here. There's a lot of, you know, people that were right that came and live in Egypt, pushing the, you know, slave, dark slave. Because slave was not about being black back then. Mm-hmm. You could be white and slave. That didn't yeah. mean anything. But it was dark slave and white slave. But it was not... It was not... It, actually, dark slave was more expensive than white slave mm-hmm. because dark slave was cheaper. I mean, uh, stronger. So they pushed them down because some of them also couldn't handle uh, the heat and the sun. They're like, you're just going to go down. You know? mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, 
that's one part of the story. It's not the whole story. The whole yeah. story is a lot bigger. But I'm just talking about how um, a lot of white people feel like Egypt was was white. It was never white. It was never white. Yeah. Farron was either brown or light skinned or black. Yeah. You know? And um, Africa itself was black. Yeah. I'm not, you know, it is what it is. Just, I cannot remake stories. I love culture and I know a lot. And um, I just say what, how it is. Like, he always been black. Yeah. You can tell from the Farron nose. Yeah. You know? That they continuously want to shoot off of every statue. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, he, it's a proof. Yeah. Like it is what it is, you know? And Nubian was big there because he was going all the way to Ethiopia. Yeah. It was huge, you know? Like, the Nubian people, those, like... It's now, we talk about, like, yeah, you know, it's nothing. But, man, there was Nubian, there was uh, Bantu, there was, you know, Africa was so big. Before we split up all that uh, in, 80, in the 800-something, like, Africa had its own... Origin and own nationality. Mm-hmm. He's been taken away, but yeah, I feel sad that some people and don't new, recognize. New line, yeah, new lines and new borders. New lines, new borders to separate people. Because even like when I did my DNA test, part of the confusion was for this is for all of Africa. There are new borders that were created. Like Africa used to run by tribes exactly. before and empires. So exactly. if there was an Kush empire, empire, yeah, the Nubian Empire, exactly, Bantu Empire. But yeah. Europeans came and then created these borders, basically for their colonized lands. And so, um, even though my DNA may link back to, let's say, Ghana, mm-hmm. we don't know if that's Ghana, the land that it is now or the people from Ghana who may have been also overlapping in Togo or also overlapping we could never know now we could never know now and you know what's the funny part is when I hear you about you know your heritage because mine is simple it's Congo but Mm -hmm. I don't have to you know I know I know there's my family name is Bokongo and there's a village with my name when I go there I'm you know like a village so I know exactly where I'm from but like for you guys when you don't know where you're from having uh, your DNA say Benin and Togo, knowing that this those countries are just like this, yeah, yeah. doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it could be Togo, Benin, but it's the same country, kind of, yeah. you know, same people. Yeah, this the same language in some villages, you know. Yeah. So it's it's really messed up. But again, we live with our stories, and um, yeah, I think the best route to take up to think about it now is we. Black people in the diaspora rebuilding the connection to Africa. That's the beauty. In the best way that we know how, because um, a lot of that information is gone. You know, like of when course. I went to Togo and Benin, they were like, well, if you knew your African last name, I could tell you exactly where you're from. But obviously, we don't have that information. Yeah. We don't have, but, you know, even on both sides, that information was lost because people were separated from families in Africa, separated from families when they got to the Caribbean and got to the U.S. and South America, so... Here's the thing, like you know what you're doing with uh, what you're creating. I, f- I feel, and I told you earlier, I feel like it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing because you're showing people, like, I right, look, I'm doing this for me, but I'm also doing this for us. Like where we come from, you know, yep. where exactly we're going if we don't know where we come from. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I don't have this issue knowing exactly where I come from. Yeah. But seeing your work, and I know, and, and I know how video is hard to edit to. You know, even put it together so it can be impact, uh, have a great impact. I feel like you know that's 
admirable. I actually love the idea of the, your documentary. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So what is your overall goal with your travels? What are you trying to do? Is it all personal? Are you trying to impact anything? So here's the thing. I personally think that I'm here to change the game. Okay. The in a funny way, I like to be I like to be taken non seriously. I run a business that make a lot of money and stuff like that and I love it, but once you see me, that's not the first thing you're gonna tell about me. You're gonna yeah. just tell like he liked to laugh and just being, you know, different yeah. around traveling. Yeah, yeah. Thing is I'm pretty sure with everything that I that I'm bringing to the table, even in twenty twenty, as an entrepreneur, as a you know, travel culture monster. I love culture. I'm definitely here to change the game. How is still a secret, but I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely here to like, yo, I've done that because I want to educate people. In some ways, people don't have, don't feel the need to be like, I'm just going to stay on my corner because yeah. that's what I know. Yeah. No, mostly like, yo, what is really the unknown? Because the unknown might teach me more that I can never understand. Yeah. So that's my goal for all of y'all. Like, you know, all people that actually follow the travel base that, that want something more than just an Instagram pic. And I'm not blame shaming the Instagram pic. It's just my, it's not my thing. Yeah. But if you want to do your thing, this is you and I respect it. Again, I feel like there's more to it than just follow the wave. That's me. Thank yeah. And again, this is... My goal is to just, you know, bring kind of a revolution. What you did with Soul Society, what Evie did with Nomadness, I love it. I want to do different because yeah. I was inspired by you guys by doing something. I was, tra I was, I traveled back then at the time. Yeah. But I, was, I traveled for me. Now I'm, I feel like, yo, I'm going to travel to spread the world. No, 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 yo, there's more. Yeah. And clearly, even in Congo, Congo is not touristic. But there's some places where I've been, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah. People will die to just see it, experience it. The people, like Pygmy, we got Pygmy yeah. in Congo. And uh, it's funny because it's really small, but they have old face. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Some of them have, like, tied in the teeth because they, they kill animals and stuff like that. It's just their own people. Not go see them as, you know, like, like just really talk to them. Because we're different, but at the same time, we got the same roots. Yeah. You know, those type of stuff I think is possible. Well, and that's why I really like what Namibia does with uh, the tourism board, what Ethiopia does with the tourism board. Go talk to the people, villages, and, you know, even though bring some type of knowledge in both ways. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. I think that's my favorite part of traveling to Africa is connecting with the tribes. First of all, connecting with local people. So I always like to connect with, like, Who's somebody around my age doing similar things yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool, that's hanging out, but also to connect with the traditional tribes and learn about that because so much of that is what's lost, at least in America, when we're learning about black culture, black history, and knowing especially that that happened before slavery. Yes. It's basically not taught at all. Like, at the college level, you can choose to take those classes and learn more, but what's a given education is zero. Zero percent before slavery. Well, mean, because America we live in a bubble. Yeah, America, but it, but it's unhealthy for a black person in America. Of course, of course. For their only history mm -hmm. to be post-slavery, it's unhealthy to think that's where we started. Because if if you're not 
if you're not spiritual, right? Especially if you're not spiritual and you don't know that you come from greatness beyond that. Mm-hmm. And you hear that you started at slavery. You're going to be content with whatever you have. True. And whatever situation is better than that. Yeah. But if you know how great our ancestors were, what we were, come from, man. you're not going to accept any of the bullshit. No, man. Our people, our ancestors was king was, and queen is doing amazing things. Yeah, man. But again, that's that's you have to seek that information. True. You can't. It doesn't, at least, again, in America, you're not just going to get that information. You have to, like, go out and, and find it. But it's only going to be sweeter because you know what you wanted to know and you got the information. Like, there's so much stuff, so much greatness in the continent of Africa before colonization, before slavery, yeah. that we don't know about. Oh, sometimes we just have little stories from back then. You don't even know if it's real or not. Yeah. You know, grand, like, I remember my granddad. You know, the information <laughs> for most of Africa is not written. There's a lot of oral storytelling. Of course, so. and we all know Africa changed stories. Bro. <laughs> they'll tell you, they'll tell you like, yeah, your granddad used to fly. How? <laughs> what? You know? No. And as far as like, even I think I talked about this on the podcast. My grandmother, who's from Grenada, yeah. told me like, oh, our people are from Senegal. But according to the DNA results, it's not one percent was Senegal. <laughs> So even that level of storytelling is like... You don't know. You don't, I mean, you can't blame And exactly, I was just about to say, not Grandma, I'm not blaming you, but I'm just <laughs> saying... I'm just saying, things get lost in oral translation because I'm sure... I mean, oral storytelling. I'm sure someone told her that yeah. along the way. And that's, that's the hardest part for you guys because, like, again, um, I was lucky. I was part of the lucky one. Like, I know exactly where I'm from and stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, damn... You know, like you even know, you might be my real cousin. Yeah, we yeah. don't know. You know, I, you know, I am, I am part Congolese. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll bring you, and I'll bring you the Kinshasa, so we can turn. Yeah, up. Yeah. We can turn <laughs> up. Let me tell you, Cong- they don't know about Congo. Congo is fun. I'm gonna put them on though. I'm yeah, gonna put them on. It's gonna be fun, and we got video company there, so. Okay, it's going down. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. We, get, we got video set. I was there. We're going to be okay. Bet. Y'all heard that on the podcast. <laughs> Gab said he got me on the video team. We're going mm-hmm. out to Congo, man. Exactly. Man, so where where can people keep up with you? They want to get to know more about you, see your videos. Where can they check you out? Well, definitely my Instagram is my main stuff. But like my Facebook, is, which is also Gabbok17, G-A-B-B-O-K-17. Uh, on Facebook, like I post, I post everything there, you know, my videos, and um, and I'm gonna post more because you know, like I said, I feel like maybe I'm holding yeah, up from yeah, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> you are because that that pyramid footage, the one where you risked your life for, <laughs> people need to see that. Okay, I will, I will. Promise okay, you, like, I will okay, y'all more. heard that here. He's also promising that. Yep, promise. Anyway, man, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Soul Society One on the Podcast. Gab, thank you for joining. Man, I loved being here. It was dope. I love that. Dope, man. Soul Society One on One the Podcast. We out. Peace. Wow, peace.